Thanks for stopping by. My name's Colin Wagstaff. I'm John Lynch. This is the first of a series of podcasts. This one is about a road trip around Ireland and Northern Ireland. We wanted to share our experiences on the road trip, what happened, what we saw, the people we met, and we then wanted to share our thoughts, observations, and what we learned. So, come along for the ride. You want to give a bit of background because ultimately this was all your idea. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Where do we start? Well, it started in a pub a few months ago. We were having a chat and um, we were talking and got interested in the idea of an Irishman's take on Northern Ireland. Yeah. And, and of course, you're Irish, you know Ireland, and then an Englishman's take on ass- Ireland. You had assumed that I had been to the yes, North. Yes, absolutely. was limited to a trip up to Enniskillen. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So it was a new. It was a bit of exploration. Yeah, discovery road trip, and then of course you have a relative mm-hmm. um, who uh, is a famous poet, Patrick Kavner. Yeah, so we were interested in discovering more about him. So we started off on thinking about our various takes on the north, the south, poetry, and then you came up with the road trip. You actually, yeah. so our route, and so the plan was we start at Dublin. Drive up to Nisqueen, where Patrick Cavan is. Yeah. Went through the newly refurbished Cavanagh Centre, then up to Dan Patrick. The idea of St. Patrick's grave was, again, something I didn't even think existed. And again, we're going to talk more about each of these, but for me, I'm, a, I'm a, an ex-grocery guy. I felt we got a St. Multibuy. We got three for the price of one yeah. in the same place, which we'll talk it more is. about. That was good. Then off to Belfast, where we had... Uh, adventure on the yes. two roads. Yeah. Then we cut across to Loch Ness yep. uh, and Heaney country, and then up to Derry slash London Derry. Yeah. Back down, we had a day of bombing. Yeah. Uh, which uh, was quite a serious day, but we had Oma in Askillen, and where did Mountbatten get? Uh, uh, the coastal. The coastal Sligo. Yes. Gotten its name, but yeah. and then back down. Through Leitrim to Moho. Your hometown. Uh, hometown. So that, that so that was the road trip, that was the plan, and broadly we did it. And what were you expecting? I was expecting a little bit more of the past, his, history. Mm. I got a lot more of the present, mm-hmm. like the uh, com- conversations that we had with people on both sides, yep. even starting with Brian Kennedy, mm. when he said on that first night... That he remembers as an eleven-year-old, someone getting shot as they were yeah. running away, and it yeah. didn't appear on the news. You know, someone saying that was sort of set the tone a little bit. Mm. People are still having their post-traumatic stress disorders. Yeah. So I was also expecting things like the Falls Road and the Shank Hill just to be two short roads. Mm. Like one, the guy told me, in its prime, Shank Hill had seventy thousand people, mm. um, and. The stark differences between those two was interesting. Yeah, uh, but it was a, that, that was the main thing. Speaking to people who, it's it's hot and bothered and it's raw still. Yes, and it's, and Brexit isn't helping and it's yeah. That was a bit a bit of a shocker. It it was for me the um 
likewise, I, I, I've only been to Dublin once, so I don't know what my expectation, expectations were really. But, but coming out of it, it, it was a fantastic trip. Um, lots of emotion, though. The emotion of poetry and, and really heartfelt emotion and art... Uh, and as you say, we, we met some people who had very strong views. Mm. Um, I think my view has probably changed quite a bit over the course of the, the course of the trip, talking to various people and trying to understand it. Um, but really deep felt emotions, lots of violence, sadly, and lots and, and it's new. It's relatively yeah. new violence, not relatively new, but it's relatively recent violence, which was I found, even though I've seen it on the news, really quite shocking. Um, but it was nice to finish. I have to say. In, in Mohel, in in with with your family, Gaelic football, also a bit of violence, but it's sort of healthy competitive violence. The it was nice to finish there, and and for me have the sense of family and community and spirit because family, community, and spirit were missing in certain parts of our journey. Mm. Or they were certainly them and us, family, yeah. community, and spirit, which was a little bit bit uh, more pronounced than I thought. The um. Yeah, you mentioned one. You said to me something too, which was, "I'm surprised at how foreign it was." Yes, you know, how, it is a completely different <laughs> country. Yes, it is. Talk a bit about that. What, what, what was the most foreign part of? I'm assuming you're talking about the north, but it was the south also. I think you said it in the south. Yes. So, um, Leitrim. Yes, and and lovely people who speak English, which is great. So, in some ways, it Mostly. feels. Yes, it, it feels familiar, but I think, uh, as we're driving along, there's such, at least where we were, there's such a really strong sense of farming communities. The church is still very much present. We're driving along, and we'll talk about the radio, because we heard some fantastic and terrible radio along the way. Uh, the fact that, did you say twice a day, bells are rung on the national yeah. radio station, so farming... Midday and at six. Yeah, so religion is still... Yeah, religion religion is still quite a quite a thing. Family hugely important and and therefore it felt it did it did feel different. It felt like the well, the history certainly is different and, and the perceptions are very different as well. So that's why I think I've met a few Irish people and we do speak English, but it is a different country. It yeah. absolutely is. The bells, the Angelus actually is, is something that I forget about and then you get back and you hear it on Equivalent of BBC One uh, for I don't know is it a minute or is it less I think I think it's at least a minute of just bong yeah and you said it was quite mournful and it was the the, the tone of it was a yeah. sort of a minor tone it was it wasn't a um, it wasn't an uplifting no. I, I need to go and commune and, and do those things it was very serious and rather downbeat I have to say I was just thinking what would you put as an alternative like a well, I think bird whistle. Well, a bird whistle, <laughs> or, or, or <laughs> well, I just think you know when the, the ice cream van—that's a jolly tune, isn't it? So you know that always cheers you up. Uh, maybe it's all like an ice cream. Um, okay, so we're going to come up with a title of this as we go along, but we've got a few working thoughts, I know, but we can probably do titles as we as we It'll get come, get to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, something. So I think I think if we went through the itinerary of our days, it yeah, would be a good yeah, yeah. start. It'll prompt everything. So we flew in to Dublin. Yes. And rented a midget car. Which, yes. Uh, so for those people who clearly don't see us, because this is a podcast, uh, we're both tall gentlemen, um, and um, I, I at least am rather portly. So um, the hire car was incredibly small. A Starlight, I think. Uh, it was. Yes. Mitsubishi Starlight. And, and um, 
and it was in a lovely sky blue colour. Beautiful. So um, clambering into that was was quite an experience. Yeah. Uh, anyway, glad we packed light. And then we headed into Dublin. Headed into Dublin via Christchurch, sort of went into the parking spot at Christchurch and then had breakfast with my uh, sister, which was the first bacon of the day. Absolutely was. And so but the, the first thing that made me smile was that we actually saw your sister on the street. Mm. She'd just been to the, to, uh, the bakery. Yeah. And Dublin always, I've been once before, but it, it, it feels, it's a lovely city, but it feels like a small city. It is a small city, I suppose. And, and I thought we were going to meet Catherine by knocking on a doorbell and seeing her. We didn't. We saw Catherine walking down the street and you called out and you saw her on the street. And then she was chatting with to somebody else with a loaf of bread. So immediately that sort of set the tone. And so, yes, the first, um, uh, first portion of bacon, for me anyway, I was the only person eating bacon who was a bit embarrassed. I think Catherine might be a vegetarian, you don't eat bacon. But we had a delicious breakfast. <laughs> uh, and then we set off on a cold, crisp day and we were heading to... Um, the Hugh Lane Gallery. That was it. Via two deeply historical points, which was yes. the Connell Monument. Yeah. Uh, Daniel O'Connell, the Emancipator, or the Liberator, I think they call him. So he was a he was a political. All of these are sort of roots of to why we have partition in the north. You know yes. why, why we had a nineteen sixteen revolt. Mm. We walked by the GPO. Yes. And in there is a, a statue of Ku Cullen in the window, which we didn't spend a lot of time mm. with. But I, I did actually look and ask, look into Ku Cullen, the statue. Mm-hmm. And apparently it was never set up as a, as a memorial mm. to the 1916. It's, it's, it stayed in a guy called Sullivan's, Sullivan's um, uh, what do they call it, studio mm-hmm. for years. Right. De Valera was called around. He says, I like that. We can use that. <laughs> As an image of the dying for Ireland idea. Mm. So, mm. and Ku Cullen, I remember the story of Ku Cullen, this is why I looked it up. Um, Ku Cullen was a battle hardened warrior, and this was one of this was his last battle. He was sort of killing all around him. I remember all these stories were very bloody, mm. and you brought me to the attention that I, I said to you, Oh, we don't have military uh, statues, but we have this Ku Cullen mm. as, as a symbol of the rising up. The story, and I went to, uh, reminded myself again, like he gets um, hit with an arrow in the guts and they graphically talk about his guts all pouring out. Right. And uh, a raven tripped over his guts and he laughed and he died with a smile on his head. Like just crazy <laughs> blood. Um, he held on to his sword so tight they had to cut the tendons in his arm right. to, let, to get to release the grip. Mm-hmm. But imagine blood gore yeah. after a battle. Um, but it's all mixed in with a lot of the stuff that we got into, which was Catholicism, mm. Celtic mythology, nationalism. And I, fa- I found uh, the irony is, and the, the loyal, loyalists later um, appropriated this image of Cú Cullen, because they pointed out it was in the ancient saga, Cú Cullen was an Ulster man defending himself from the people of the South, or right. uh, 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 the men of Ireland. Yeah. So there's all this confusion intertwined yes. and stuff like that with that. But we eventually got to the Hugh Lane Gallery. So your yeah, absolutely. But before we we move on from the post office, I think that's it is it's such a pivotal moment, isn't it, in the history of Ireland? But but even at that point, there's a battle and it's a post office. You know, there's that. I know it's, it is this hugely important yeah. moment in in the history, but it's it, it's 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 not a battle for in this valley or in. You know, on huge planes, it's, in a, post office. it's a post office. And in some ways, if you said to somebody, 
I've just seen a battle in a post office. You'd think yeah. somebody's arguing over a book of stamps, and it's not. It, it in some ways it's it, it's I suppose against this funny juxtaposition of of something very domestic and yeah. this huge national. I never thought about it that way because the, then again, if they had taken the post office and he refused to talk to them, what were they going to do with the post office? <laughs> they were going to take it up and drive it around the country. Exactly. I never thought about that. There was two. There was post office and there was Boland's Mill. And I case, I bet they were probably just looking to do. Mm. You know, bulkheads or whatever you call them in military terms, but it's a it's a good point. The other thing about the post office you mentioned, if it had been in America, it would be a shrine. Yes. It is supposedly yes. holy ground, but they had it done up like a you know tacky Christmas. Yeah, yeah. there was an animatronic reindeer doing something, yeah. uh, and as, and it's a working post office. But as I said, I was really surprised office, because yeah. anywhere else it would be. This is the most important building one of the most important buildings in our history, yeah. and people are going in and, and doing what people do in a post office, which is, not, I think, I liked that as well. I was surprised, but I liked it. Yeah. Um, and, of course, outside there's the monument, not the monument, there's a replacement for Nelson's Column, which was um, the spire. Uh, removed, um, I don't know what the phrase is. In a is. rush. <laughs> it was, it was uh, toppled. I don't toppled know in the 60s by yes. the IRA. I'm quite it, sure why they did that. Well, I can understandably. Maybe yeah. they didn't want Nelson looking down on, on the Republic. Um, so yes, so we then got to the Hugh Lane Gallery, and I had recently read a fantastic book um, about the artist Francis Bacon, mm-hmm. and I thought the book was brilliant, and I'll try and remember the authors in a minute, um, just if you want to have a look at it, but it was a fantastic book and really brought his life alive. Uh, but one of the things about Francis Bacon was uh, where he painted a studio, which was in a, um, a, a small room above, um, a, a, above a garage, effectively, in Kensington in London. His, his studio was completely chaotic. And it was, and I read in this book, it was a mess, and he had paint on the floor and bits of old newspaper. And often, even in, in the dust and the detritus of his of his um, studio, he would pick up some of the dust and, and work some of the dust into into the paint, um, to the pictures he made. And uh, so, what happened after he died? Somebody decided to take everything from the studio and recreate it in in the gallery. And and so you can look at it. Um, obviously, from the outside, there, there are perspex windows, but it was. It was fascinating because they they had um, at least ten bottles of Krug on the floor, which he'd either finished or was about to open. Yeah. And you had a real sense, especially when you saw the art afterwards, because his his art was um, very vivid. Blood in there as well. And there was a picture afterwards. You couldn't work out somebody being hit. Were they bleeding? It is literally visceral. But you had a real sense of the the place where he painted and created and and his art. They were very connected. I'd imagine if we went to, you know, Jouvenet with, uh, to look at Monet, he's peace, peacefully sitting, uh, looking at lilies and painting. It's all very, very charming. Whereas Bacon, his art is is rough and violent. and Drunken. And, yeah, and drunken. There's lots of sex Fluffy, in there as well. And, dusty. Yeah, and that was all in the room. So yeah. um, I really, really enjoyed seeing that. And, and I think whoever did that and, and how it's done is fantastic. It I did really look like it. they imported the dust too. Because yes. it didn't look like it had been. No, uh, no, no. Uh, exactly. What I love to do is actually they found uh, a Bacon painting yes. underneath the detritus. Yes. Yeah. Knowing how much his work sells for, yeah. they're having the last laugh. Someone was saying no one else wanted it. Yeah, I think so. It, was this 20 years ago? Or the Q yeah. Gallery is a fascinating place. We then went into the, uh, the Bacon pictures that had been taken yes. from someone because of taxation fraud or... I think I'd like to look it up but it, so on the you have the, his pictures and then the, the little tickets on the wall basically said this was acquired by the gallery and it mentioned a an arcane tax rule. Yeah. and we presume 
that somebody had got a tax bill, they had a Francis Bacon picture. So rather than four, paying cash, was it three or four? Yeah, yeah, they handed over the pictures. And and I said at the time, what that was brilliantly for me Irish. This is a positive statement about being Irish because it's acquisition of fantastic cultural assets rather than cash and t- cash through tax. Yeah. It's brilliant. Why wouldn't you do that? Because then it's 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 fantastic things acquired for the nation. But a, it is a lovely gallery. I, I remember going there as a kid, and it, it there was so many new and wonderful bits in there. But all the old bits that I had seen as a ten-year-old, twelve-year-old in my infrequent trips to Dublin were still there. And then we went out. We intended to go to the Writers Museum, but that was shut. Yes. Covid, whatever. Yeah. And then met a, and then turned into the Garden of Remembrance. Yes. Where we saw a vision. Yes. Which is an interesting. Uh, what was your impression there? I, su- I suppose, as I said to you at the time, initially it didn't feel like much of a garden. Just a quick the Garden of Remembrance is a commemorative garden built in the 66, 50 years after the mm-hmm. Easter Rising. Yeah. To commemorate those that have died for Ireland and all that mm. stuff. So it's a big, it's a big, as you walk in, it's a big sunken pool in the shape of a cross. Yes. With shields and spears. Yes. Uh, um, uh, painted, not painted, but. Um, they were mosaics, weren't they? Mosaics uh, on, the, on the. And again, initially, I was surprised because it's a garden of, of remembrance. And that already there's, there's sort of, there's violence in there, isn't there? The broken shields. Well, but actually. But the broken shield, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the symbolism in the shields, is that right? Symbolism that uh, the war is over. We've now addressed all our grievances. We now have to live in peace, right? Which, again, as a victor, it's easy to say. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I didn't. It didn't feel very garden-like. But uh, there was a beautiful poem on the um, on the wall, wasn't there? No, yeah. I, do you have an excerpt of that? I forget. The vision. We saw a vision in the darkness of despair. We saw a vision. We lit the light of hope, and it was not extinguished. In the desert of discouragement, we saw a vision. We planted the tree of valor, and it blossomed. In the winter of bondage, we saw a vision. We melted the snow of lethargy, and the river of resurrection flowed from it. We sent our vision a swim like a swan on the river. The vision became a reality. Winter became summer. Bondage became freedom. And this we left to you as your inheritance. O generation of freedom, remember us. The generation of the vision. Is it me or does the winter of bondage sound a little kinky for that part? <laughs> uh, there was one other thing, the swans. Yes. Children of Lure. Yeah. And the, I always remember that as a kid. The um, I thought it was always very poetic. I'm not quite sure No. of the link between that and, uh, you know, the children of Lure were turning into swans. That mm. was a negative Yes. Because they were children, and now they're swans, yeah. doomed to sort of swim across the lakes yeah. of Ireland for, I think, 900 years? Yes. And maybe St. Patrick freed them. But again, linking religion to the whole thing. Yes. The cross filled with weapons. Yeah. A lot of Celtic myth- mythology, and all linked to the, uh, the Celtic revivalist thing. That again, the Ku Cullen statue was that. That's why it was uh, cast. Apparently, it was a exploration of Celtic revivalism and in the Yeats and the yes. Lady Gregory stuff. So yeah. we carry on this theme a lot. But about, uh, I also said back to that point, you, London's full of military uh, mm. military statues of Hague and mm. the big cannon in Hyde Park. But we have a lot more subtle. But it, they're all militaristic. 
Yes, but it's, it's, it's it feels far less, I have to say. Yeah. Um, that said, again... Maybe it seeps in, that's the problem. Maybe it does, but... Um, like a cult. Having, having just read the Sandy Toxvig biography, not many um, women... Uh, one of the one of the swans was a girl. Okay, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, it is. It's masculine. It's beefy. Yes. Which brings us to to we we were supposed to do. I think we had planned to go and see the doll and museums and things. Yeah. We ended up being sucked into um, drinking. But well, on the way. Sorry. Yeah. Before we did that, there was a there's a very small. Um, it's not even a museum, but it's it's almost two or three rooms uh, on James Heaney. And it's uh, across from Trinity College. Across from Trinity, in the old Parliament. Right. Now I think it's an old Bank of Ireland. But uh, yeah, it was a nice a nice room. A nice building in itself. But the Seamus Heaney exhibit. That's right. Um, I remember the big thing I pulled out of that was the Don't Be Afraid, which linked to the, the Heaney yes. ex- um, uh, Interpretive Centre. But... Apparently, I was a bit shocked. Him and his missus used to exchange these things in Latin. Yes, they, they didn't say. I only heard the word "Don't be afraid." Mm. But uh, of course, the myth is he knew he was going to die. And yes, don't be afraid. Yeah, I'm coming. But apparently, again, religion comes in. It was uh, Jesus walking across the water when the uh, disciples were getting really buffeted around in a storm. Right, and along come Jesus, as you do. Mm. Walking across the water, I was thinking of that visual. He'd be going up and down, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, "Be of good cheer. It's me. Don't be afraid." Obviously, oh. shouting over the wind. Yes, but uh, that's where that comes again. Religious. Interesting. And it's, it's, he's uh, nulli termi, so he wrote it in Latin. Yeah, which I thought was a bit of a bit of a show off. <laughs> well, a, a bit of sh- absolutely a bit of a show off, but also quite good because if your texts are uh, seen by anybody, yeah, it's going to be quite hard to understand them. Maybe maybe they communicated so the kids couldn't see what they were saying, or the kids yeah. are driving me mad in Latin. Um, but the the other line which I was struck by because um, I don't know Seamus Heaney very well at all, and I'll forgive me because I'll get this wrong. But there was one of the lines of a poem about, uh, and I was surprised going back to this sort of militaristic and violence because he talks about uh, holding a pen in his hand. As snug as a gun. Snug as a gun. Snug as a gun. And I, and I was surprised by that line. The rest of the poem is fantastic. Between my finger and my thumb, the squat pen rests, snug as a gun. Under my window, a clean rasping sound when the spade sinks into gravelly ground. My father digging. I look down till his straining rump among the flower beds bends low comes up twenty years away, stooping in rhythm through potato drills where he was digging. The coarse boot nestled on the lug. The shaft against the inside knee was levered firmly. He rooted out tall tops, buried the bright edge deep to scatter new potatoes that we picked, loving their cool hardness in our hands. By God, the old man could handle a spade, just like his old man. My grandfather cut more turf in a day than any other man on Toner's Bog. Once I carried him milk in a bottle, corked sloppily with paper. He straightened up to drink it, then fell to right away, nicking and slicing neatly, heaving sods over his shoulder, going down and down for the good turf. Digging. The cold smell of potato mould, 
the squelch and slap of soggy peat, the curt cuts of a nedge through living roots awaken in my head. But I've no spade to follow men like them. Between my finger and my thumb, the squat pen rests. I'll dig with it. So that's, that was a great poem, and it's just it was a bit of a jolt, and then the actual poem itself is lovely. Uh, but for me, it was a great introduction to uh, Heaney. But as you say, so we, we did that, and then I think other people might say, we just fancied a drink. Um, I would say, as part of our um, cultural journey, uh, Catherine, who's with us all this way along so far, um, thought that we should go and visit a traditional Dublin pub. Yeah. Grogan's pub on William Street. A real musician, poet, pub. And we walked in and we did meet uh, John Moynes. Yes. You can find all about John Moynes, at John Moynes on Twitter. He uh, releases a limerick every day, but I've just checked it. He releases multiple little commentary on the world yep. daily um, and well worth. Makes makes you laugh. But John is also stand-up comedian and from Armagh. So we told him about what we were planning mm. and he gushed forth uh, with lots of anecdotes and humour. Yep. And it was, a, it was a right find. He was. He was, uh, so he was. he was naturally a very funny guy. Uh, his limericks, which uh, we might treat you on to on shortly, uh, were very funny. And he did give some good advice, things to maybe say, not say, whilst, whilst in the North. Um, and he also looked like a very young version of Gandalf as well. So he had sort of a, a nice long beard. He looked a real character. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to do this justice, but I could do the poem. An abbot most foul and unsavoury kept the Bishop of Galway in slavery. Amid hooting and howls, he deflowered young owls that he kept in an underground aviary. <laughs> it was brilliant. And that sets uh, the tone of John exactly. Yes, um, but he does do uh, clean versions as well. He does. He, he was brilliant. And then I think just as, um, and one thing I did like about the pub, was that the Guinness is poured even though nobody has ordered it. Yeah. Which I thought was brilliant. So it, it's it's queued up, ready to go, so there's no delay. Three quarters full. Yeah. Settling. Yes. Which is, uh, yeah. And it was delicious. Um, but um, there were a group of um, older men next to our table, and some, it was pointed out to us that one of the older men was allegedly uh, the chief of staff of the IRA from yeah. um, when times were very difficult. Um, so it was... I have looked at, I have tried to look that up, and it's hard to find out who he could be, but... Uh... He may have been... I didn't know Jerry Adams was just chief of staff for the IRA. Did you know that for a year? Mm, mm. I thought he said, I never in the IRA. I mean, my, my position has been consistent that I was not a member of the IRA, but I've never distanced myself well, that's from the, the IRA. So, so that's, were you never tempted to join? No, no, I wasn't. Um, but that was funny, and funnier still was he ordered... Uh, Benedictine. A Benedictine. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was a little less masculine, as it, I'd assume. It was. But, but then, again, there are so many aspects of this trip which are sort of linked, aren't there? The, um, um, uh, was it the, in uh, Downpatrick, was it Benedictine? Yeah, monastery, was yes, it? Yes, I think. I think. I'll have to double-check that. But, and so you, you, there's a link from the chief staff of the IRA drinking Benedictine to then the ne- next day we're in... A Benedictine, an old Benedictine monastery. Um, John so that, Moynes had been sitting with this group of individuals. That's and right. Been, so uh, I, I'm not quite sure. Others were writers and artists yes. too. So uh, before we move on, I remember I had a few things that John suggested 
why we are the people we are, and alluding to violence, he says, we are a Viking nation. Yes. So we talked about that, that whole idea, it's very masculine, very violent, very loud, very tomorrow you die mm. type mentality, mm. which I never really, I know we always sort of paint Dublin and the West, but it, it's, it's in, I'm sure it's infused right around the country. Um, another thing, he, uh, he had the phrase, violence is personal, which mm. uh, I'm sort of trying to work that one out. Like, um, one man's violence is another man's, what, tickle? <laughs> I didn't know what he meant by that. Did he, um, but did he not mean it isn't, it isn't an abstract, um, it's not an abstract thing, it, it is real, it's personal. And we talk, We spoke to Brian later who had, he, had observed it, so he, I, th- I thought he, he might have He is an that. armand man, so he, he was brought up in banded country, yeah. as we used to, I was brought up in Leitrim, which yeah. apparently is banded country, but um, the other thing which made me laugh, and again, remember he's a stand-up, he says, um, ISIS uh, have ruined terrorism. Make you nostalgic for the IRA. It was more civilized. <laughs> it was proper proper British terrorism, uh, which um, again we may laugh, but you were quite funny about. Yes, it. I yes. also meant the stupid question because again you asked what did I find. I never feel I never feel this humor in, in the north on the mm. Presbyterian side. It's yes. dour, you know, humorless, grey, you know, ancient, but never humor. Mm. And he said, well, no, they're funny. They can be funny. Mm. Not as funny as him, but yes. it was, that was quite interesting too. But we also both, and we may not, should we may should not, maybe shouldn't mention it, but it was, it was interesting that the two guys we met from the North were um, Catholic and therefore had sympathy with obviously being a loyalist. So it was interesting for me that even at that stage we were being with people who, didn't come from the um, the union side of things. So I don't yeah. know whether that's... I, I just It was an observation. It is a point. We didn't trip across many born and bred Protestants yes. and their experience growing outside what is the you know celebrated bastions of Catholicism yes. and Protestantism, which is the Shankill and the, the Falls. Yeah. We didn't meet normal people like John Moynes, normal in, yeah. to an extent, but... Um, which is probably something that we should have done, but it was just didn't seem to no. happen. And we weren't we weren't interviewing a nation. We were trying. We were absor- uh, absorbing. Yeah. And then we finished the day with the uh, dear old Brian Kennedy, lovely man. And as I understand it, uh, well, he's a, he's a singer, but he's been involved in the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah. Uh, frequently on on TV in Ireland and around the world. Um, and as you said, he was born in the north. On the um, falls uh, and had seen really terrible things. Yeah, um, terrible things. Um, and it was a lovely evening with 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 him and Catherine, and there was lots of laughter. But there was also, I had a real sense of somebody who'd been through a terrible, terrible experience. Trauma. Yeah, exactly. He, he talked about seeing that man shot in front of him when he was eleven. Yeah. Which again, uh, yeah, I don't know how that would impact me mm. throughout the rest of my life. Uh, he talked about a lot of people carrying that sort of baggage and yeah. seeing violence that, you know, you just brush it off. He did also say that some of that never appeared on the news and it was sort of, mm. so there must have been a sense that all this is happening and mm. it's been brushed under the uh, carpet, which was interesting. Well, I, I think, and that's one of the things I wanted to find out, is that I've only seen this from the perspective of the English 
um, the BBC. Yeah, news and news and press. You know what we used to do during the, you know, my dad and my mum used to say, listen to the BBC. The Irish news is biased against. <laughs> really. The the um, uh, Republicans. Really. Yeah, even though Maggie brought in the. Mm. The muting. What was it called when she, you could, Jerry Adams couldn't speak? Yes, you, you couldn't hear the sound of his actual voice. Yeah. I think they, they were so concerned he'd be so persuasive um, that his voice... Young children would just run for... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they'd, they'd want to take up the cause. <laughs> so he, he'd have call. to be... Uh, he was he was um, dubbed, wasn't he, by he just was. an actor. Which was just comic. Yes. Just so I'm clear, are you saying that the British government dubbed the voice of Jerry Adams because it's too sexy? It's like a fine whiskey. And I have that in good authority, boy. Okay. But yeah, yeah, so, um, but we were always told, I was always led to believe that the BBC had a more balanced view, which is interesting. Well, and I don't know if they, they, they did, I can't recall, but as I said, I, I, I've only ever had that viewpoint. So when you look at the yeah. way it's all portrayed, it was just from an English perspective. It is the British Broadcasting Corporation. So I would like to think they were as balanced as possible, but they would have had a, a different perspective. And that's why I wanted to go there and, and to see it. Um, so yeah, Brian, I thought it was lovely to meet him and, and talk to him and have, and have a nice meal and too much wine and, and Guinness. Way too much wine, but definitely primed for day two. Yes. Yeah, you know, with a little bit of knowledge in yes. a dangerous thing. Uh, I, think, I do honestly say that Brian's point about an 11-year-old witnessing a mm. murder... That sort of seeps in when you're told about it, and you sort of take this a little bit more serious. Yes, because we do joke, but again, yeah, it, it it wasn't fun. I guess that's John Moyne's point about violence is personal. Yes, so and and, and for me, it's the these are the generations who are st- who are still living through it. Yeah, you know, he's seen it for himself, but if those people have, have kids, or it's going to take three or four generations, the 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 memories will be passed down, of course. But I think the the history is so recent. That's why it is so. It, it is personal and, yeah. and incredibly emotional. Because but, just again, uh, Brian is probably younger than me. You'll love that. Um, but I remember growing up in the eighties mm. and the idea that I, I, there was a sense of fear. But I never thought someone was going to. Actually, the more I think about it, I remember when cars had stopped and wind down the window, mm. you'd be tempted to run. Right. Uh, but they'd be asking for directions mm-hmm. like normal people. Mm. But when the, when it got to its peak, I remember two distinct things. One is the hunger strike. Um, and because we were a farming community and mm-hmm. black plastic had just come in to wrap bales, mm. someone had the idea of doing large stretch of, stretches of road. This may have been one farmer, but I remember mm. it mm. driving to a Tolkien scene mm. of mm. gloom and these black flags mm. on every telegraph pole and just thinking something big and nasty yeah. was happening. And, and they, sorry, the, the black flags would, would signify support for the hunger strikers. For the hunger right. strikers. Okay. And we were, we were right on the border. Um, but the other thing is when the IRA kidnapped a supermarket magnet, small, done tidy. The Irish Army rolled in. Mm-hmm. People's houses were searched. Mm. Um, he was found in Ballinamore, fourteen miles away. Two people shot. I think they shot each other on the Irish side. Right. Christy Moore song about mm-hmm. it, which mm-hmm. he, it's almost a comic song, mm-hmm. but again, mm-hmm. it was about they cut his finger off and sent it through. Like mm-hmm. there's an under undertone of what the hell's going on yeah. here. But that 
That is literally when the army came to town. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, this could be what, what it could be like up the north yeah. every day. Yeah. Uh, is a very funny place, son. A strange and a troubled land. All the boys are in the IRS, or All the women are in common to man. Every tractor has a Nicky Kelly sticker displayed for all to see. Sure, it was no wonder that the guardy made a blunt says your man from RTE. The rest were little bits, like going up on a football match to to Inniskillen and army personnel, British army, comes down the, down the bus and has the gun lent mm. towards the kids. And uh, I look up and look down the mm. muzzle of a gun, yeah. you know. Again, the memory may be getting yeah. more poetic on this, but all those little interactions, yeah. uh, uh, but nothing like it would have been to be brought up in the Falls Road and no. hearing shots at night and that type of thing. And, what, and, what? and, and these are experiences which, which people just should not go through. No. So day two. That's day two. Solid day. So first of all, um, terrible hangover from me. Yeah. Combination, I have to say, I don't recommend... Guinness, delicious. Yeah. Um, Benedictine, yeah. Delicious, albeit slightly camp. Um, but you know we don't tell that to members of uh, uh, ex-members of um, chief of staffs. Yes. Yeah, right. um, and then a surprise. Our Johnny's a game on now. <laughs> a, a, a surprise uh, uh, um, trip into a whiskey bar, um, which came from nowhere. Bad idea. Um, bad idea. Um, and then more uh, more Guinness wine, and that's it. So yeah, we set off. I'm feeling a little jaded. I, I forgot about the whiskey bar because I was well and truly on my way home, and you went, oh. That was, oh, that was me, that was Catherine. Yeah, but you, you, you were easily persuaded. Easily there. Catherine said, so. there's a lovely whiskey bar here. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so we stayed two. at the Handel, Handel Hotel, which yes. is the scene of the theatre where Handel's Messiah was first yeah. Uh, yeah. from. Yeah. Which is great. And there's a picture, there's a statue of Handel on the, on the top of a pole. Yes. May not be the real Handel. No, I don't think it is. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's an impressionistic because his uh, clothes seem to have come off. He does have a baton. Uh, does he? he does I was wondering what he was holding. Well, they used to. They used to. <laughs> they used to um, uh, conduct in the nude. <laughs> no, <laughs> we That's why we got such good audiences. So day two, we yes. got our car from uh, uh, the car park where yeah. you'd imagine it would be. <laughs> yes. And we headed straight to Inneskeen. Yes. Patrick Camden Country is in Monaghan. Yeah. So we went up the, up there. Uh, I remembered my the Monaghan, my youth. We used to always get sick travelling to see Auntie Mary and Auntie Josie, who were sisters of Patrick Kavner, who lived right through to the eighties. So Mary came down with us, mm-hmm. died with us. Lovely woman. So we got to Inniskeen. So your impressions in Inniskeen, because. Uh, I had been obviously. It was a um, it was a it was a, a pretty little Irish village with it with a school and the old church has been turned into a Patrick Cavanaugh Centre, mm. hasn't it? And before we went in, uh, we went to look for his grave, and his grave is very hard to describe. It's very low key. So as I understand it, he wanted his grave to be basically stones from ground he walked. He wanted simple stones. And it was just simple stones, but also quite a few nettles from memory. And it was, yeah, it, it's um, it was low, it was messy. Let's be yeah, honest, low key to almost being unkempt, almost, yeah. which, which was surprising. Um, I was and, surprised, yeah, yeah. So, so we we saw that, not realizing that all sorts of stories were going to unfold because 
it's not only his grave, but lots of things happened on and around that grave. Yeah. We heard the stories about that. So we then went into the, the visitor centre, which is a converted church. That would have been the old church, and there's now a new one. And we met a lovely lady, and the Patrick Cavanaugh exhibit, and we had it to ourselves, didn't we? It was just us. Just the two of us, yeah. Um, so it's basically um, stories from his life, um, where he travelled and who he met and people who were important to him. And in the centre, there's a tiny, almost little mini cinema, mm. and you watch a lovely 15-minute film, uh, which is, um, it is, like you can, you can find it on YouTube, and it's supposed to be him, it's not him, it's an actor. And that made me smile, uh, wondering how they casted that, sort of Frank Cavanaugh lookalike required. Uh. Um, and um, Patrick, sorry, 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 Frank, I don't know why I want to call him Frank. The, um, so it was but a lovely film of his poetry and the countryside in which he walked. Yeah. Um, and loved the poetry and loved hearing the story. And what I really liked was that, um, I know he's a relative, but he, he was a quite a tricky individual from time to time. Yeah. Uh, he had money problems. Um, Alcoholic. And, uh, liked to drink, liked a lot yeah. to drink. Um, and um, he lived with a lady for 10 years, which is just not the done thing in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, married her towards the end. In the 50s, 60s, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in marrying her at the, at the sort of the last minute, that caused a bit of a family ruckus. Four months before he died, right. yeah. So there was, yeah, so there was the whole Peter thing, my brother's brother. keeper. Yes. And a lot, of, a lot of his stuff was there. You know, he seemed a little bit more buttoned down. He even made his own printing press. Yes. And he was a professor... In America, uh, in America, I'm assuming of English. Yes. Um, yeah, but uh, the stories I've heard is... Uh, uh, well, they were suggesting there may, may have been a little bit to do with who owned the copyright. And, yes. And, uh, but uh, he just didn't want her buried with them. No. But the last time I was up there, the old uh, cross, wooden teak cross, mm -hmm. very simple, and the stepping stones... Uh, were all took up and they had replaced it, the canvas side, with a big monolith with a hole in the middle. And oh, I thought it was uh, what too modern almost, or it was very modern, right? Yeah, and apparently that got broken. What was the phrase? The lady, well, it smashed us, it was smashed, yes, <laughs> yes, unexplained, yes, vandalism, yes, uh, which, which could or may not have been, uh, Peter, uh, but um. There was a few uh, uh, shenanigans going on that uh, yes. right up to when Auntie Mary, great Auntie Mary, was being no when when the wife was being buried, uh, Auntie Mary gave his spot or there was some complications. There was a refusal to allow her to be buried alongside him. Yeah, so Auntie Mary gave her spot away. And yes, so and she said, "Well, I, I remember this phrase as a kid." She said, "Well, I don't care." The smell alone will guarantee they bury me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, and it's um, clearly an incredible poet, great with his words, um, but and also one had a sense of being a quite a quiet man as well. Um, I, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but you had a sense of he didn't say many things, but what he said were probably... Now he wandered lonely as a poet in search of yeah. nature's wonders. Yes, absolutely. I do, I know. Or that um, sitting by a canal bank, or the bicycles go by in twos and threes. Yes. He's an observer of life, and definitely observer. But yeah. also in the poetry, you absolutely get a sense of, and I don't know whether I'm over reading into this, but um, the fact that he marries late in life, and I'm going through all of my books, 
uh, now, and it's one of the, it's Maguire was faithful to death. He stayed with his mother till she died at the age of 91. She stayed too long, wife and mother in one. When she died, the knuckle bones were cutting the skin of her son's backside and he was 65. And there's a real sense of, did he... Because he had to look after the farm, didn't he? That's the yeah. thing he so... Because I think his father died. He had but he to was 24, yeah. He was the man of the house. So. And, and we talked about this at the time, but through the words, you got the impression he both loved the earth, yeah. loved aspects of it, but may have really not liked farming at no, all. He was really, yeah, he was really whole... trapped, wasn't he, in, in, in this... That's what we learned at school. It's the whole thing. The old stony grey soil of Monaghan, you burgled my bank of youth. Oh, stony grey soil of Monaghan, the laugh from my love you teared. You took the gay child of my passion and gave me your clod conceived. You clogged the feet of my boyhood and I believed that my stumble had the poise and stride of Apollo and his voice my thick-tongued mumble. You told me the plough was immortal. O oh, green life conquering plough, the mandrel stained your coulter blunted in the smooth leaf field of my brow. You sang on steaming dunghills, a song of cowards brood. You perfumed my clothes with weasel itch, you fed me on swinish food. You flung a ditch on my vision of beauty, love and truth. O oh, stony grey soil of Monaghan, you burgled my bank of youth. You know? Yeah. So sucked in dry. But then he, then he talks about, what was this like? I think the, the, what reminded me is the whole religious nature, lonely the idea of this love-hate, as you talked about, but th this deep one. To know, to know fully, even one field or one land is a lifetime's experience. Mm. In a world of poetic experience, it's the depth that counts, not the width. Mm -hmm. So basically, he was talking about the depth of really knowing something. Mm. A gap in a hedge, a smooth rock surfacing, a narrow lane, a view of a woody meadow, the stream at the junction of four small fields. These are as much as a man can fully experience. Mm, mm. Is that lacking ambition in what a man can fully experience? <laughs> or is it just... But when you think about it, like if you step back and take, take in what he saw as God's wonder, yeah. you know, do we really appreciate it? Mm. So that, that was his. But and it, well, uh, uh, and one of the lines I like from uh, must be one of his, his last poems, but um, the hospital. A year ago, I fell in love with a functional ward of a chest hospital. Square cubicles in a row, plain concrete, wash basin, an art lover's woe. And, and you know, to, to talk about an art lover's woe, we've just been with Francis Bacon the day before and he yeah. was talking about this. So, um, no, I, 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 um, I think it's because it was, it was quiet. It was, it was a cold, grey winter's day. Mm. You felt really connected with him and the poetry. One side of the potato pits was white with frost. How wonderful that was, how wonderful. And when we put our ears to the paling post, the music that came out was magical. The light between the ricks of hay and straw was a hole in heaven's gable. An apple tree with its December glinting fruit we saw 
O you, Eve, were the world that tempted me to eat the knowledge that grew in clay and death the germ within it. Now and then I can remember something of the gay garden that was childhood's. Again, the tracks of cattle to a drinking place, a green stone lying sideways in a ditch, or any common sight, the transfigured face of a beauty that the world did not touch. My father played the melodeon outside at our gate. There were stars in the morning east, and they danced to his music. Across the wild bogs his melodeon called to Lennons and Callans. As I pulled on my trousers in a hurry, I knew some strange thing had happened. Outside in the cowhouse, my mother made the music of milking. The light of her stable lamp was a star and the frost of Bethlehem made it twinkle. A water hen screeched in the bog. Mass-going feet crunched the wafer ice on the potholes. Somebody wistfully twisted the bellows wheel. My child poet picked out the letters on the grey stone. In silver, the wonder of a Christmas townland, the winking glitter of a frosty dawn. Cassiopeia was over Cassidy's hanging hill. I looked, and three whin bushes rode across the horizon, the three wise kings. An old man passing said, Can't he make it talk, the melodeon? I hid in the doorway and tightened the belt of my box-pleated coat. I nicked six nicks on the doorpost with my penknife's big blade. There was a little one for cutting tobacco, and I was six Christmases of age. My father played the melodeon, my mother milked the cows, and I had a prayer like a white rose pinned on the Virgin Mary's blouse. Um, it was an interesting experience uh, poignant for me I think it was mm. I hadn't been there since I was probably 14 or 15 mm. but uh, yeah he did well I think the, the uh, well worth a visit to the yes. uh, the interpretive centre yes and we headed off then to the border so yes and on the way to the border you said that we should listen to RTE oh, which yeah. is the local radio station <laughs> And there seemed to be a, a heated debate which went on for at least two Shopping. hours. Two hours. There were, there, were shop, well, there were a number of debates and we, we then, I think on our trip, actually really got into listening to RTE because whilst there are serious problems in this world, um, it doesn't seem to be the focus at certain times of the day. So basically the big issue of the day was that one golf club, one golf club in Ireland had said you cannot park a white van or, or a working person's vehicle at the golf club. At the front. At the front. You can park at the back. But, but, but not at the front. And so one golf club, who, who probably an over-officious uh, individual, just didn't want to have white bands at the front, so parked them around the back. And there were a number of callers phoning in. Yeah. And it, just the debate, just it was... It was um, Shocking. It was Joe Duffy. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 1850 715 815. That's yes. shocking, Joe. Don't know what the country's coming to. Yes, and it, it was it was the sort of this is the thin end of the wedge. Yeah, and and then people found out they didn't even play golf or even or even do golf. They were just or even order white van. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they, they 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 were sort of saying, if I owned a white van and if I played golf and if I actually was a member of this golf club, I would be appalled. 
Um, so that was good. And then, um, in, in, uh, might be the next day, um, it was Christmas Jumper Day, the various channels having Christmas. And, and I won't try to do that, too, but people phoning in were saying uh, that the, the Ute uh, were getting all giddy on drink. Yeah. And one of my favourite lines was, you couldn't put a needle between them. I have a COVID joke. <laughs> so there was a sense of things had gone mad and maybe the Viking past had been revisited. And, and one woman, she was, and it, this is serious now, one woman, she had had her hat um, taken from her head. Um, now, she managed to retrieve her hat, yeah. um, but it was still the most shocking thing she's ever been through. Even Tra- though her hat was taken, and she took it back. They walked towards her, looking menacing, <laughs> reached out, tipped her hat, and ran on like yes. drunk students. Yes. But, you know, she probably was intimidated at but the I, time. But I have to say, if, if life is too serious, mm. and, and you might be down, there are big things going on in your life, I recommend Joe Duffy. Joe I'm sure he, he, but you did say they do tackle serious stuff. Sometimes well. you tackle serious stuff, but it's usually, uh, you know, um, jumper week for students. Yes. What was the other line? Sheep would have more room. <laughs> penned in. And was it, was it every street, uh, Mary? Oh, no, just the one or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Talk to Joe on 1850 715. 815. Pat is a director of the Not Shrine. Pat, good afternoon. Manager, indeed, of the Not Shrine. How are you? Not too bad now. Not too bad. Getting there now, you know. What prompted you to bring in this uh, dress code? Well, as you know, Joseph, uh, Knock is a holy place. And, well, if you'd have seen what I seen there yesterday, geez, you won't believe it. Pat, well, Pat, tell me now, tell me, what... It'll blow your mind. What is it that you have seen in Knock that has, that's upset you? Well, Joe, as you know, it was a hot day yesterday. Mm. There were quite a number of pilgrims at the Basilica. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were a handful who were, you know, they were dressed, let's just say they were dressed immodestly. In the heat? Well, the, the heat is no excuse, you know. Yeah, I'm sure people were next to nothing, wearing next to nothing in the heat yesterday, surely. Well, now, Joe, whether it's hot or not, you, you know, you, you shouldn't be dressed as immodestly as some of these people okay, were. Well, what is it? What is it? So that was good. And then we crossed the border. Crossing um, the border. The experience of crossing the border. It was, it was fairly low-key. Um, obviously, you go from kilometres to miles per hour. Uh, and we stopped into, into Newry. And... But hold on, just before, as on the border, there's two things I remember. Hmm. The cure for Brexit. In the United Ireland. Yes. Yeah. And then someone had splattered Welcome to Northern Ireland with uh, a sort of a reddish paint. Yes. Yes. So that would be driving by and throwing throwing a, or maybe a paint, whatever they call it, a paint gun or something. It wasn't the most welcoming. No. But but what what wasn't there was any sense of obstacle. No. He was straight through. Exactly. No No barriers. No barriers. And then we went to Yuri. Yep, and I was shouted at by a lady um, because I didn't, I didn't have all my chips. Did you not eat all your chips? <laughs> but the accent, and I'm, it probably, it's perception that it, it, it immediately felt a little less friendly, yeah. uh, not not aloof, but that sort of classic Northern Irish, as you say, Presbyterian, a bit more buttoned down, less open. Mm. It felt different. 80, 85%, 90% Catholic, Mary. Oh yeah. So uh, so she was probably Catholic, but this is back to the point. We we'll get onto this later. Is that there is a marketing problem on the Protestant side that permeates the entire mm. nation. When you meet someone in authority, and she was the chip lady, yes, you assume because it's the north 
the power lies with the Presbyterians, mm. and then you assume that they're dour, miserable people. Yes. Marketing-wise, they've done, not done a great job, which we'll talk about later after we found out in the Shankill Road. They tend to share that view. Yes. It's not anything to do with the violence uh, and the thing. It's, we don't market ourselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then, then we headed to one of the key points, to the grave of Patrick. Yes. Huge slab on a hill. Yes. But the highlight of that day was Clive of the Wye. <laughs> Clive of the Wye, who's a lovely man. We recommend you go to the cathedral at Down Patrick. Yeah. Clive with a Y is one of the people who uh, shows people around. And again, it was quite enthusiastically good. shows oh, people around. And, and we he walked, made a beeline for us yeah, when, he, walked when we walked in, in. Spoke to us immediately. And his technique to get us talking was to basically award points. Or points. He would, he would ask us questions. And depending on who got the questions right or wrong, they would get points. So John and I, competitive, immediately felt we were in a quiz. Yeah. Um, and, but no, Clive, Clive was... Um, I think I won. Yeah, I think you might have done. Yeah. Um, but Clive was, was a real character... Um, and had clearly been um, in and around the church for, for all of his life. It's uh, he was a credit uh, uh, to um, the the cathedral. Yes, was it a cathedral. It was a cathedral. Was it? Yeah. But um, my my favourite moment was him uh, mimicking how he sat at mass. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Because the, the the thing about the cathedral is it's unusual. Everything every aspect of his design is unusual. Yeah. And um, and the the pews are facing all sorts of different strange directions. And as you say, Clive. Um, demonstrated how he would sit, and theatrically. Yeah, <laughs> that is exactly the word. I couldn't think. Was it? Was, it, was, it was. It was sort of like an incredibly flamboyant, well-dressed meerkat. I think the way he's he trying to see. He, he sat there, uh, and um, so in some ways he was brilliantly knowledgeable. In other ways, because you asked a very obvious question, which was, "Can you tell me about the windows and what they mean?" What is the scene in this window? Hmm, that's an interesting question. <laughs> He did know, about, he did know almost everything. So maybe, yes, maybe exactly. You, you know. So he's lovely. But what I hadn't realised, and I'm not sure you knew this, is is that um, allegedly, yeah, um, a few hundred years ago, um, somebody thought, well, we've got St Patrick, let's get a couple of others in here as well. So to a, fulfil the prophecy. Yes. So a nobleman whose name we can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, but a nobleman a few hundred years ago basically dug up St Bridget. Yeah. And St. Columba. And the prophecy said they should all be, they will all be buried together in the same area. So, yes. Down Patrick, translate as stronghold of Patrick. Yeah. Um, and then we have, you know, Columba was the guy who wrote the Book of Kells. Yeah. And he was a big, he went way off, mm. possibly as far as Russia. But um, Bridget is, uh, the European Union has asked Ireland, they need to put one extra day in. So they're looking at St. Bridget, and she was the uh, Christianized um, Celtic uh, female mm-hmm. deity. So, like uh, like they've done with a lot of things. The Celtic cross, by the yes. way, you know, they used to yeah. worship the sun, so let's just slab a cross over that. Brilliant. So that's... So we're going to have, they're going to have a, a boom yeah. coming forward. Not only do they have St. Patrick's Day, they'll have St. Bridget's Day. And I'm sure in a couple of years, maybe St. Columba. But, um, uh, but but they wouldn't tell us exactly, because whilst there is a stone there, they make it very clear that St. Patrick is on the hill somewhere, somewhere, not below the stone. And I presume that might be because if you have somebody who's anti-Irish or, or back in the day where they want to dig it up or defile it or do something, or 
as you said, um, relics, relics, yeah. relic hunters would have. And if the relic hunters knew there were three saints there, my goodness, yeah, yeah, probably get it. But like, if uh, if Saint Pat, can you imagine too the records that were kept back, uh, whatever it was, mm. seven or eight hundred mm. years ago? Do we even know any of them? Are there? Yeah. Um, but they would have like the thigh bone of Saint Bridget or yeah. something like that would have been incredibly valuable. So you can see why why they uh, didn't. But surely someone's done an archaeological yeah. scan and has an idea. Anyway, so we headed from there, full of knowledge, thanks to Clive, and uh, headed for Belfast. We got in at the dead of night. Yeah, it was it was dark and so and, and I suppose sunset um, was at four thirty, so yeah, it's a bit of exaggeration. Yeah, but the uh, five, and it was dark. Yeah, and and so for us, we we'd done the poet in the morning. So we, we yeah. so, so one poet and three saints. We'd gone from poetry and religion. Yeah, and both places, the in scheme, the that lovely old church or down Patrick, the, the, the cathedral on the hill, with the amazing view. Um, we then were going to central Belfast, which was very modern, clearly very affluent, lots of money. I'm confusing myself. We didn't get in. We got into Derry dark. We got into Belfast. The sun was still up. Yeah, and then we saw beautifully clean. Yes, modern and 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 new hotel chains. And we we're staying. And you chose a hotel. So the hotel was famously the Europa, yeah. which uh, we worked at. Uh, I knew it was the most bombed hotel in Europe. Yes, not quite sure where else you're going to get more bombed, but. Uh, 33 times yes. we had attempted explosion. <laughs> oh, that is just taking the piss. Yes. You know. um, but like lots of successful blowouts. Yeah. But uh, yeah, then they had a little uh, inf- information center about yes. that uh, on the way in. So Famous people who stayed there and, all, and, uh, and, and I'd imagine the local Glazers were thrilled the amount of glass they replaced Constant. over time. Constant work, um, guaranteed. Yeah, so, so a big, modern, affluent city, not to all I was expected, and then... It's like rather, a clean Dublin, actually, yeah, I thought. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, yeah, fewer beggars, actually. <clears throat> and then, rather foolishly, in retrospect, we thought, well, we've got a couple of hours between now and dinner. Why don't we go and look at um, the Shankill Road? And so, you, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, why not? So, um, we... Um, so we walked along, didn't we, and then left the Shankill Road, which is a long road, to your point, it's a very long road. Yeah. And, and we walked up a road, which is fairly nondescript, um, not really very residential, some shops thinking, well, there's nothing here, what's, 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 what's sort of going on? And then, fairly quick, quickly, we sort of started to come across the, the mules, yeah. which, which I was shocked by, really, to see such statements of... Mm. of what they're about and some were um, there's a wall wall of, of, of the Queen on that sort of got, I got that but you're already asking yourself the question why why have they done these and then the most shocking one was and we found out why it was particularly shocking but was a memorial to people who'd been killed by the IRA and they actually had very graphic pictures including a picture of, of, a, of a body that had been burnt yeah Pretty um, life size, size, yes. like pretty huge, blown up picture of a burnt body. Yeah. So it's almost every other street there'll be a very big mural, very militaristic guns. Um, everyone seemed to have a rank. So which yeah. I hadn't quite understood that. So you know, this poor chap over here who had um, who who passed away was actually lieutenant colonel, and I hadn't realised that this was the is it the Ulster Ulster Volunteer Force would give themselves ranks. 
Um, so every it, it was very militaristic, wasn't it? And very yeah. I'm just looking at some of it now. So some of the some of the titles were 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 the, some of the image of the individuals with the titles were straight out of their seventies photo, yes. which immediately to me because they had mustaches, slightly longer hair, yeah. leather jackets, that they were killed. Yeah, you know I mean, there's no modern versions of yes. these people, which, but also there's there was a, one that uh, sticks with me with three guys or four guys, uh, behind the barricades with machine guns, mm -hmm. smiling. Yes, um, doing a good, good uh, deed for the mm -hmm. community, and they were arguably under siege, but um, back to that point, violence is personal, mm. like this, this the image of a burnt out body, mm. and, funny enough. We got an explanation, so we save it for after. Mm. On, on that, mm. we got a tour of that by someone who had lived it, and mm. it was personal mm. for mm. him. But I did find that they, uh, there's, there's, it, it, they were emblematic. There, there was, there was lots of um, imagery and shields and things yes. like that, which I could understand. And I, I don't think, to be honest, I was expecting, if anything, I was expecting that. But when mm. you see it in the flesh, yes. in the big. Gable End, you're like, oh my God, people, and this, and they're fresh. Yes, and, they, and we saw in the, yes. in the in the in the falls, people actually doing one. Mm. And they're kept up, and they're pieces. They're pieces of local history that there's funding behind it. It's not yes. going to be so. All of that, you get your you get your brain thinking, who's paying for all this? And this mm. this is still a relatively poor area. Yes. Um, no, to that point, they are they are fresh, and it's not. This was done in the nineteen seventies, and it, it feels like it's been there for forty years. It is, it it is, it is. They are they are maintained. So so that was fairly shocking, I think. And and so then we rather foolishly went and had a drink because we wanted to have a pint on the Shankill Road. Yeah. So we've done it. Bit of an old pub, bit of a strange atmosphere. Might have been us. What was it called? Um, it was something. The Royal it wasn't or, a stadium. It uh, the stadium was, was it, the Royal or or it was yeah. something. Um, um, fairly unionist. Um, yeah. So we had a drink there, and then, and this is really when it started to sort of. I became really shocked because we we walked because we were wanted to see um, um, the wall, and I was quite surprised that the wall was still there. We'll talk about it, more about that later. But we walked along a road, and and, and I remember because my um, father was in the air force, we went to Berlin um, when when the wall was up, and we went through Checkpoint Charlie. So we walked along this road, and the road had um, big, um, massive concrete columns with gates attached to them. And the gates were open, and cars were going going through. But I, and I and I think and I remember thinking, gosh, this must be a um, this must be left there as a memorial to the troubles. The fact that they actually had to build barriers up there. Um, but we actually found out um, that there are working gates, and we found out also. Um, that there are more barriers, and we then walked down. Um, was it, it wasn't called the Memorial Wall, or is it, it was it was it was called something? It was called the Peace Line. The Peace. Or, or, uh, I don't or, know what the gate was called. Yeah, but it, for me, it, the, the Peace Line. It was suggesting of this is to commemorate or whatever the things gone by, but it's an actual live, enormous high wall we walked down, at least forty is, feet yes. high. Um, and we later worked out that that was to stop projectiles going over. And we were trying to walk back to central Belfast. We're going to dinner. And our, and our phones were saying, walk down here, take a right. And on three different occasions, we came across locked barriers across roads, mm. which I was stunned by. I thought it was 
how could this happen in 2021 that communities and you can walk round about as you just need to walk two miles round but communities are separated by enormous walls and and barriers which are shut at night 20 years on 20 plus years on from the peace yeah. process the yes. uh, good friday agreement yeah but and also and we we heard this later and the locals don't want them removed they're mm. supposed to be taken down by when uh Soon, isn't it? 2022, 2023. Yeah. Oh, it'll never happen, mm. uh, we were told, because uh, um, people lob stuff over still. Mm. Like, which there's no simmering underbelly of violence there. There is violence. Yes. You know, if you have to, if you have to, uh, in a civilized European mm. ci- city, yes, separate two groups so physically, like it just seems ridiculous. Mm. Like, what's to stop them during the day doing the same thing? Mm. You know, loving mm. something. Mm. Is it just you know, un- under cover of night? Mm. It's like the zombies come out. Like, it was quite shocking to me, too. Yeah. I'd heard of it, mm. the Peace Wall, but I didn't actually believe until I until the guy told me that it does shut uh, at uh, nine, I think it was. Yeah. And he said during the, the real Brexit um, hot uh, days, when they burnt that bus mm-hmm. on Lanark Walk, I think it was. I was just looking for it here on the map. Um, the uh, they were closing at six o'clock every night, so that was a bit of a shocker. It, it was, it was, and so we then had a very nice uh, dinner. Had delicious oysters. Oysters. That was a food highlight from yeah. um, from a um, not too far away. Um, and then we had a fi- Well, we had a pub. Uh, had a pint in a very um, very Irish style pub with yeah. Music. It all got a little bit more modern and yes. Uh, it got uh, right. Was it Riley's or something like yes. that, or Ellis's, or which has been there for many, many years? But again, that was for me a strange juxtaposition of 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 something. Well, maybe it makes sense. It was it was clearly a very Irish pub, and it was popular because it was a very Irish pub in the centre of Belfast, which I wasn't really expecting. Yeah, um, but probably the but most of them tended to be like Dublin pubs once you got in. Like there was only one. Yes. Rather, what would you call it? Slightly understated mm. mm-hmm. or full of Irish crap. Mm. Well, mm. I would say crap, you know, <laughs> um, very diddly diddly. Like that, yes. that, that tourist pub had, you know, 200 miles to Galway this way, you know, yes. that type of thing. Yeah. Um, lots of shamrocks and shillelaghs mm. and fiddles and stuff hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. But that, that I, I guess that was a little bit Irish tourism I didn't expect. Yes. You know, but then when you think about it, you know they sell the island of Ireland uh, as a tourist destination, as a single unit. Right. And the North contributes to that, and it's all about come to Ireland. It's not yes. come to Northern Ireland. Come right, to... okay. So it's quite interesting how... I think, I think I'm, I'm almost certain it's a Fulcher Ireland do that. Anyway, the, the oysters were good. Um, we lived to, we lived to um, blab another day. Yes. But I must admit that was probably... And talking to my brother afterwards, uh, eh, might have been a bit silly. What for you, uh, for an Irishman to be on the Shanker yeah. Road having a pint uh, late at night? Late at night. Because we don't know who was there. and Yeah, with an Up the Ra t shirt. Yeah, that, yeah, was, that, was, that, that yeah. was pushing it, I yeah, think. I, think so. I thought they'd find the funny side. <laughs> that, that, but again, in that pub, that was a. It, there, are, there are lots of bad pubs everywhere, but yeah. the pub in the Shanker Road was particularly depressing. 
it, they had a slushy machine in there. Is that slush right? Slush machine, yes. Yeah, slushy, slushy machine, and the locals were drinking slushy, topped up with vodka. Topped up with vodka. Which, uh, and just to create the atmosphere again, there was neon lights in the ceiling. Yeah. It was a modern looking. It was clean. Yeah. But they had three or four TVs with horse racing. Yes. Which we thought was just maybe a Protestant thing. Yeah. Happened over in the Falls Road too. Yes. They like their horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. So that was day two. Day two. Thanks very much for listening to part one. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to hear more, carry on to part two. Subscribe. Like, whatever you do with podcasts, come along for the ride. Brilliant.